Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 3rd, 2013. We are reading from the big book today, beginning on page 93, with the first full paragraph that begins with when dealing with such a person. The reference number, the share code for yesterday's meeting, which was Wednesday, January 2nd, is 3605. 3605. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to ask Irene to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene, and I am a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a certain and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irini. 
I'd now like to ask Margaret to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Janice. Good morning. This is Margaret, compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, and we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we are going to resume resume our study of the big book um, on page 93. And we are going to begin with the first full paragraph on that page that starts with, when dealing with such a person. And this morning I'd like to ask Katie if you would please start us out. Hi, this is Katie at Compulsive Overeater. When dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. There is no use arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such such issues no matter what your own convictions are. 
So this is telling us that don't tell him, if you've been absent for a month or a year or a decade, don't tell him what you're doing at that very moment because that's way ahead of what this person is ready to hear. Tell him what happened to you the day you got abstinence. For me, it had nothing to do with the church or synagogue. It was my own personal experience in my own house or in my own just me and God. And that, um, you know, can't raise any prejudice because it has nothing to do with um, with any of those uh, religious organizations. And, you know, our own experience is the best um, thing for the newcomer and uh, it's always a good reminder for myself to remember that um, when I explain what happened to me, it's not, you know, some particular anything. It's uh, the willingness, the open-mindedness, and uh, just the surrender that um, is necessary. Uh, we don't want to raise prejudice by trying to tell someone something that they're just not ready to do yet. That'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Good morning, it's Esther. Good morning, Esther. Go ahead. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. When dealing with such a person, so such a person is who they referring back to the previous paragraph, the agnostic or the atheist. So if I'm going to talk to a person like that, this is going to be the newcomer that I'm wanting to carry the message to. I have to remember um, to, to use language that's common to most people when describing spiritual principles. Otherwise, they're going to be turned off and going to, they're, they're apt to believe that I'm out there to convert them or to preach a, a particular religion or way of uh, approaching spirituality. And this reminds me of something that I learned, and that is that when... Bill W., you know, sat down to write the steps as we know them today. There were uh, many, you know, there was uh, care in choosing his words specifically because he didn't want um, to appear as if there was a particular re- religion he was promoting and to make it understood that, you know, these spiritual principles are common to, you know, most denominations. You know, for example, instead of using the word, uh, you know, examining sins, he would he he um, taught that we make a searching and fear, fearless moral inventory instead of using the word, you know, confession, which also he felt might be referring to something specific. He, you know, taught us that we need to, um, you know, in step five, admit our, our wrongs to others. And um, those are the kind of um, things that Bill did, again, to make sure to make sure that it was understood that, that in this program we're not preaching a certain way of spirituality, rather that um, spiritual principles that are common to most people and most denominations. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead. Good morning, Janice, good morning, everybody. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. So we're in Chapter 7, Working with Others, which gives me very specific guidance as to how to carry the message, how to sponsor. It says, when dealing with such a person, 
you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. So it's speaking to me, the recovered compulsive overeater here. And even though um, I have had a spiritual awakening, and now that I'm charged with a responsibility, that responsibility is to carry this message, not my own personal message and not my own personal p- opinion, not my own philosophy, not my own own uh, theology. Uh, it says, when dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. I'm trying to create a bridge here between myself and the other person. I want to make sure not to alienate that person. I want to make sure that I'm coming forth with with a spirit of accommodation, that this program is all about being inclusive. It's all inclusive. It's never exclusive. So I'm going to use everyday language to describe spiritual principles. What are principles? Principles are laws. They're, They're codes of conduct that are universal. So in my language to this newcomer, who may be an agnostic, who may be an atheist, uh, and I'm creating a bridge, I'm going to use language such as honesty. I'm going to talk about hope. I'm going to speak about faith. I'm going to share experience about courage and integrity and and being willing, having willingness and having humility and and my love for my brothers and my sisters and and justice and perseverance, spiritual awareness, service. These are all spiritual principles that cross such a wide uh, land that includes all of us. It includes all of us. There is no use arousing any prejudice he may have against certain theological terms or conceptions about which he may already be confused. I don't need to confuse him further than he's already confused. All I'm coming forth with is love and hope. This is a message of hope. You don't have to live the way you're living anymore. I do not want to create any barriers by being specific regarding any type of religiosity or belief system. So following the guidance of the of the uh, big book here, don't raise such issues no matter what your own convictions are. All inclusive, never exclusive. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I'd like to share a bit on this paragraph as well. You know, we're coming out of a place here in the big book where in the previous paragraph we were discussing yesterday about, you know, what we're doing when we're talking with this new person. Well, you know, if if I've been doing what the big book instructs me to do, I've been telling my story to this man, to this compulsive overeater, this, this person in front of me. And I've been talking about my compulsive overeating and its fatal nature. I've been talking about my personal experience, you know, that it was, I was in this hopeless and helpless place around the food, and that by my own power, I just didn't seem to be able to do anything against it. And I've been recounting some of my own experiences, you know, some of them funny, some of them tragic, so all of them, all of them giving the picture that I could do nothing about this. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm going to tell him what happened to me. You know, what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now. You know, I'm stressing the spiritual angle freely, it says. 
I mean, I'm telling him that this is what worked for me. You know, that I had to find my own conception of God, just like Ebby said to Bill in his kitchen, what about if you find your own conception of God? You know, that's what I'm talking about here, my own conception of God. And it had to be something that was going to work for me. But it also was universal. It was based on these spiritual principles, these spiritual laws that work in the world. You know, the main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. Well, I, I was taught and I learned and my own experience showed me that these spiritual principles were so basic. They were basic to humans. You know, they were, they were fundamental. They were the, the, the grounding, the foundation of the way I wanted to live. They were this design for living, this design for living that was all about love and caring and truth. You know, and and that's what I want to share. You know, and so I'm trying to use my everyday language and my everyday experience to talk about this. Because it doesn't matter where he came from because it didn't matter where I came from. You know, I was still able to find this. And so I want to present it in such a way that shows and tells him, as it was presented to me, that he can find his way out as well. You know, that he can find this God of his understanding, this spiritual power, and live in a way that I never dreamed was possible, and yet I, there I am, you know, free, free of compulsive overeating, not wanting to compulsively overeat. You know, that's what I want to share with him. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? And I'll ask um, Esther to please read the next paragraph for us. Your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. Let him see that you're not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than than you do, but call his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. I'm a compulsive overeater. My name is Esther. So this paragraph is describing someone different than the previous paragraph, not an atheist or an agnostic, but someone who comes into to our program who is uh, who has perhaps more religious education and training than we do. So what do we tell them? They would probably are probably apt to think, what what did you have to teach me? Look what I know already. But uh, we learned way back, and we agnostics, that it says on page 44, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes of philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. So we know this because we 
you know, learned it in uh, way back, and we agnostics, and we could tell this to our prospect. So we could tell him that to be vital, that means in order to give us our life back, our faith has to be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish and constructive action. So clearly, whatever they've been doing is is whatever they've been doing, but it hasn't been enough to help them stop drinking. And that we're not here to teach them anything more about a particular religion, but again, only to talk about, you know, the spiritual path to recovery, which refers, we will be referring to many principles and ideas, but all of these are common to most people. And that his problem is not knowledge of spirituality, but rather, you know, the uh, action that needs to accompany all the faith that he's got. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute your phone. This is Sarah. Can I share? Go ahead, Sarah. This, um, my name is Sarah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah. I recover compulsive overeater. This paragraph and everything is just, um, it just reminds me, I forgot which page, but many of us had many, had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them so much as we would have liked to. And um, this paragraph is reminding me that faith without works is dead. Um, you know, I, I was a person of, a lot of knowledge and faith, and I, I've come to learn in this program that the two most dangerous words that I have are I know. I and knowledge, my, my self-centeredness and my knowledge, but my knowledge without the actions, my inability to take actions based on that knowledge. I knew everything. I knew what was right, but I could not, something just was not, um, there was a blockage. There was a blockage. There was something that was not enabling me to live out that which I knew to be true. And, and, you know, and I think that's true for a lot of people. And, and the pain of that, you know, is, is escaped through, for me, for me, it was escaped through the food when I could not live up to what I had knew to be true, what had wanted to, and the pain was so great. So, um, the food, was um, that sense of ease and comfort to to calm my soul. And the spiritual principles that this program, you know, and the the selflessness and the focus on constant action and daily spiritual fitness and the and all the support mechanisms of the fellowship and the sponsorship and all of the things have just created the space for me to live out which I knew to be true and to be willing to face which it's still, you know, yet, you know, to grow into. And me just, um, instead of living in the, the shame of that and escaping to the food to, to, to provide that comfort for that, um, being able to share the experience of how that's true for me and support someone else in their process and maybe perhaps give them hope. Someone recently I heard that hope stands for hearing other people's experience, 
me providing hope by sharing my experience with another person without the judgment that I didn't want to have be put upon me has been um, very liberating for them as well as for myself. And it's the beauty of this program. It's the clear-cut instructions for to deal with any specific situation, to deal with any specific type of person. What do I do? How do I handle it? And who can I be in that process? I never knew. I never knew that. How can I show up in this process? And this is just so beautiful to be given that um, clarity. Clarity, clarity, clarity. That's what this book is giving me. Clarity about who I am and what I can do to show up and serve in the world. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone Good morning. Else? I'm sorry to interrupt. What page and paragraph are we on, please? We are on page 93 in the big book, and we're on that last paragraph, Your Prospect May Belong. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yeah. Would anyone like Monica. to comment on Oh, go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, like has been brought out here that, the, you know, there, we're, we're reading the chapter here, working with others, and has someone who has gone through the process and we're now sponsoring, you know, how, how do we work with others? And, think, and it's wonderful that we have this, this chapter to help us and to give us uh, instructions. And this paragraph, I think, is really important because uh, your prospect may belong to a religious denomination, and his education and training may be far superior to mine, for sure, for sure. And he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he knows. And I have run across here, you know, there's um, a lot of people who are very, very religious. And it's just totally, and I was religious. And it was baffling to me. It was baffling to me that using what my training, my learning, I wasn't able to um, control my eating. I wasn't able to stop eating. I wasn't able to stay stop eating. And, you know, that, that caused turmoil. And I have seen this in a lot of people that, you know, this really is a big, big thing. And it, it does cause a lot of turmoil. I don't understand. I, I know. Why? Why is this? And so it says he, he's curious about this, you know, and there may be a little anger with this also, you know. I don't understand. So I got to be, we have to be very careful uh, as sponsors. And it boils down to what is our biggest asset, you know, my biggest asset is that I'm a compulsive overeater and I have gone through these experiences and I have worked through the 12 steps and as a result I've been given a spiritual awakening and I can only say this you know um, to them that as a result of working through this process this has happened for me and 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 then it says to be vital to be life-sustaining faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish construction action. And, you know, and that's what was missing in my life. You know, I had faith, but what was I doing? You know, I was selfish, I was dishonest, I was self-seeking. 
And when I did my four-step inventory and went through this process, I learned all this. I saw all this. And now and I was shown how I can be of help to other people. And that combination, the faith and helping others, like it says here, is what makes the difference. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Well, this is Janice, and I'd like to comment on this paragraph, too. You know, here, here we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty because I'm talking to this person you know, in order to stay recovered myself, in order to stay, you know, I've grown more carrying the message than I think I did working all the other steps. And why is that? You know, it's because I got to share what was so generously given to me and what works, you know, what works. And what I'm trying to convey here is that I might have had a great code of morals. I might have thought myself, a very loving and giving person. But was there action? You know, was I living by this design? You know, I I was practicing self-will. You know, we all have a choice. And that's what I'd like to share. I would like to share that I have had this spiritual awakening and that as a result of that, I'm not into self-will. I'm not into the bondage of self anymore but that that takes action. You know, it took action for me to move out of self-will, out of my own self-determination, my own motives and my own objectives, and to live in a way that's surrendered. Surrendered to this higher power and these higher principles. And that that's the way I'm trying to live my life. And if, and if he had beliefs based on that, and he wasn't acting on those beliefs, well, maybe that's why things weren't working for him. You know, because that's why things weren't working for me. You know, that's, I, I have to live by these principles and not by my own self-determination. And that changed everything. That changed everything. You know, so however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. And that was true for me. And that's what I can share. This is what was true for me. This is what's happened to me as a result of letting go of all that, of surrendering all of that, and and by taking up this new design for living. You know, that's what we have to offer, our own personal experience. We represent no particular faith, no particular denomination, and that we're living by these new actions, new actions for me. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Uh, again, the big book is giving me instructions in terms of how exactly to dialogue with, with uh, compulsive overeaters. So the previous paragraphs were in reference to someone who comes uh, and perhaps is agnostic or atheist. This particular paragraph deals with someone whose religious education and training may be far superior to mine, to yours. In that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seems to work, seem to work so well. Um, you know, the big book's going to get blunt in this paragraph. Uh, if, your relog- if your religiosity is so, uh, <laughs> you know, is, 
is of such a high caliber and so elevated, then why do you find it necessary to self-destruct? Why are you eating yourself to death? Why do you feel compelled to dig your fists into the bottom of bags and boxes night after night after night? You know, so, the, so that may be something that uh, crosses this person's mind, why his own convictions have not worked, why yours seem to work so well. I'm no longer living in the quicksand. I may not have the decades of study, religious study that you have behind you, but I'm walking this planet happy, joyous, and free. You're sitting in your car in a dark parking lot night after night after night <laughs> having religious conversations with three pints of ice cream. You know, so the big book gets very, very blunt. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. Insufficient, it's not adequate. This program is not about intellect. It's not about uh, being well-versed in religiosity and theology. That has its place. But when it comes to being recovered, this is about a spiritual journey. This is transcendent of the intellect. This is not about self-knowledge. This is about having a relationship with God that is indestructible and immeasurable. So I no longer feel the necessity to seek the ease and comfort that comes out of that cellophane bag. It says to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. If I am living a life that is self centered, if I'm living an existence of self-centeredness, then that's not unselfish, constructive action. If I'm living a life where I am, uh, it is corroded by fear and resentment, dishonesty, and self-centeredness, then that is not a God-centered existence. So it says to be vital, to be life-giving, to, in order to allow my heart to beat, in order for me to be freed from the beast of this illness, to be life-giving, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. So something is holding me back. I may have the intellect. I may have the knowledge of God and all the religious terminology, but I am suffering a person who's still in the illness has a soul sickness. They have gangrene of the spirit. The t book teaches us that when that spiritual malady is overcome, we will straighten out mentally and physically. Listen to the terminology here. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. Yes, you are more intelligent when it comes to religiosity. Yes, you have more knowledge than I do. But call to his attention the fact. This is not fiction, people. This is not some theatrical production in order to amuse you and entertain you. This is the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. You would not be binging your brains out. That is a fact. He could not have applied it or he would not drink. Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. Again, the program of recovery is not an intellectual exercise. This is, by, this is about being guided by 
something more elevated than the mind, more elevated than the intellect and knowledge. This is transcending to a power greater than ourselves. And those of us that are recovered, as as were the people who pen these pages, they are living proof, as are we on this line, that a higher power has revolutionized our life, that we have had a personality change sufficient, sufficient, adequate enough to bring about recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. This is Anne-Marie. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi, Anne-Marie, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'd like to share my experience with, um, with this. Um, this line here that says, um, he is, um, where is He's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. Well, I had the opposite um, when I first started sponsoring, and I had this woman who was very, very knowledgeable, had many years in recovery. We talk about big book thumpers. She was a a Bible thumper, and she knew so much. And after I learned this about her, fear overcame me, thinking, how am I ever going to be able to teach her anything? I mean, she just knows so much. And um, through our relationship and going through the steps, you know, um, I'm grateful that God guided us. I was able to turn it over to God. And I I was able to help her more than I would ever imagine. And God puts people together. I, tr- I, I trust that with all, with all my heart today that the people that um, God has put in my life, he's put in my life for a reason. So God is running this show. And, you know, uh, these fears might come up, you know. Um, She knows more than I do. What am I going to do about this? And And I practice turning it over to God and relying on him and believing and trusting that the people that he's put in my life, he's put in for a reason, you know, and um, just to trust that. Um, That's all I have to say. Thanks. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Helena. Go ahead, Helena. Um, This is a beautiful paragraph, especially when taken with the paragraph before. Um, We understand you interest anyone in religion. Religion, in my experience, is something very important to many, many people, and it causes many, many issues across the world from individuals individuals judging each other as I did uh, in regards to the fact that my faith was better than other people's when I first came into program to wars and people killing each other. These, this is a major issue. The big book is telling us to stay away from it. We are not practicing any one particular religion. We are not there. And the paragraph before, no matter what your own convictions are, put them aside in honor of simply trying to help someone save their lives, whatever my own convictions. And I had very strong convictions. This paragraph describes me perfectly when I came into this program. And one year after finding program, losing weight, and beginning abstinence, I dropped out again because people used the word higher power instead of the word for God that I wanted them to use. It took me another year of struggle and pain and crying out to my God before I finally came to my knees and came back into program 
willing to listen, not to cast aside what I knew about God and about faith, but to listen because what I was doing wasn't working and what other people were doing was working. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Yes, this is Patricia. And could... this is Go Patricia, ahead, Patricia. Oh, Go ahead, Patricia. Um, yes, I just wanted to share. I had a similar experience to the lady that just spoke about the um, religious convictions. And honestly, I struggled myself with feeling guilty that I was betraying what I believed because you didn't use the same God I had. Uh, so I thought. I mean, that was my own thinking and my own religious doctrine because my pastor said, oh, they don't have this, then no, no, that's that's not, that's not godly. Well, um, I've had to not place my religion anywhere but in my heart and let let this spiritual program take over because I honestly believe that God set this up. You know, so um, religion and spirituality are two different things. Anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much, Patricia. We'd like to move on now to the next paragraph. And Helena, if you would read that for us, please. Certainly. Outline the program of explaining how you made a self-appraisal how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you, that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. Uh, I'm Helena, a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. This is a most uh, packed full paragraph. There is so much in here. We could really talk about any one of the number of instructions here. Um, For me, what's important, what jumps out immediately is that right from the very beginning, before this person has even recovered, we are planting the seed that you must help others when you recover. You will never be able to rest on your own laurels. You must always reach out in order to be vital. And look, here's the example. In order for me to survive, I have to tell you about it. I have to reach out to others. And the other thing that jumps out to me is, if your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. This is how my talk is to be. These are specific directions, and I need to listen to this for my talk every day with my family and with the people that I meet and with those that I'm reaching out to. I am to be sane, quiet, and full of human understanding. I am not here 
to get all excited and to convince you against your will. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Go ahead, Sarah. This paragraph is so chock full. I have the whole thing highlighted, asterisks, and everything. Um, it's just it's amazing how in this paragraph, um, you know, right at the beginning, outline the pro- program of action. This is what the program of action is in its order: self-appraisal, straighten out your past, and endeavor to be helpful to others. And it has to be in that order. I used to, um, you know, so many, so many of us do um, the self-appraisal or not even thoroughly and get excited about what is to come and then endeavor to be helpful before doing this program in its order. Self, yeah, it has to be done in this order. Self-appraisal, straighten out your past, and then give freely of what you find after you, you know, when your own house is in order. Um, and then, you know, and again, make it um, make it plain. He's under no obligation to you. It's not about it's not about you. It's not about you controlling him. It's not about you telling him what to do. It's not about you forcing this upon him, knowing what's right for him. It's not. It's not about me knowing what's good for you. It's about me helping myself by making, you know, laying the the platter out for you to, you know, to take hold. And, you know, it's still it's still his choice. It's still his choice. But, you know, a person needs awareness before they can make a choice. And this prospect does not have awareness, does not have awareness that there is something possible that can help him. He may not even be aware of his own um, his own behaviors. He may not understand how his behaviors affect himself fully and other people. He knows, you know, like Lena said so many times, knowing what the food has done for him, not knowing what it's doing to him and how it's affecting the rest of his life. That's part of, you know, why we share our story is to give someone a clear picture of what, of, you know, what, of the effects of what our behaviors have are causing and have caused to ourselves and to other people. And that there's, and not just to let them know that that exists, but to let them know that there's a way out and that, we've done that and make it clear that he's not under pressure. We're not here to pressure other people to do what we say is right. And then it's so beautiful. It teaches us how to be a friend. What does it mean to be a friend? To be sane, quiet, and full of human understanding. That's what a friend is. And then, you know, Asante says to me, she's so uncomfortable. I said, you're uncomfortable. That's a great place to be because it means that you're, Stepping out of your self-will, it's a good thing. You know, you may perhaps, maybe you have disturbed him about the question. This is all to the good. Being, you know, this uncomfortable is a good thing in this program because we sense, we tried to find that sense of ease and comfort, which was destroying us. And it was when we be, became willing to be uncomfortable is when we actually found um, a sane and happy life. And it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful that this book and this paragraph and this chapter and all of it is just so clear instructions on how I can live a happy and sane life being of service 
to myself and to the other people in the world. And it's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone Anna? else like to follow up? Anna? Go ahead. This is, hi, this is Dana, compulsive eater. Oh, wow, this is so great. I'm so grateful, grateful, grateful for this meeting and for the studying that we're doing together. And, you know, my relationship with my higher power is the most important thing, and I can't have that if I am, um, you know, in the food. So I'm so grateful there's a solution. And what this reminds me of is um, when I was going through uh, with my sponsor and the, the part in the beginning of the book in Bill's story where he he, um, I'm just paraphrasing here totally, but where he has a bad business dealing and uh, something goes wrong with, with the business and, you know, his, you know, old default would have been to go get a drink, but instead he makes phone calls and, and goes to talk to other alcoholics. And, and that's reacting sanely and normally, you know, that's part of the promises that we get is we react sanely and normally. That's a sane thing. I'm ha- I had a hard day. I had a problem go help someone else. That's, that was not the default button I had. You know, I had a hard day. I had a good day. I had a bad day. Whatever it is, you know, go eat. And, and to be able to help others. And so here where it talks about, you know, it helps you more than it ever helped him. Um, it's such a, it, it, here's just a, you know, a documentation of it when, when it talks about that. And, um, you know, the other thing is, you know, our, our 12th um, tradition is, you know, um, or our 11th tradition, attraction, not promotion. Um, being a friend, being sane, being quiet, not pressuring people, that's very attractive. Um, people want that. That, that, that. that draws people. There's an there's a, a, a energy that, that's attractive, you know, and I can't do that if I don't, my own house isn't, isn't in order. So I'm very, very, very grateful um, for, for this meeting. I, um, and you know what? And if you're not recovered yet um, and you get, you're getting excited about this meeting, I'm going through the steps again after being in OA um, and being a thin person and inside feeling, you know, restless, irritable, and discontented, um, you know, going through the steps again in a new way, defining my absence in a, in a, in a way that really got things clean for me. And, you know, so what I do is I just tell I just tell people about this meeting. I say, you know, if if you're struggling, you know, you might want to listen to this. And if you can identify in, you know, here's a solution. That's what I do. I just tell people about the meeting. That's what that's what someone can do. Um, so anyway, I'm just grateful to be here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Dana. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Sharona from Israel. Good morning. Uh, I would like to comment. Hello? Yes, go ahead. I'm Sharona, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and I would like uh, to say that through this program, I'm in the beginning, but I learned day at a time that I changed my higher power, and I am so grateful for this book and for the order to, to live, the outline of the program, how you can live, how can you make a new self, and I'm really excited, and I'm really thankful for all you that are sharing your experience, strength, and hope, and I think um, 
before I started the program, I just believed that God is evil and mean. And one, what what is the connection between me and my higher power, my God? Nothing whatsoever. I thought it's all on my shoulders to manage the to manage life as I got to see it was impossible until I got to the program and uh, I am thankful for you and with that I pass. Thank you, Sedona. Was there someone else who wanted to share on this paragraph? Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much. Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. So outline the program. Again, this is not about sharing my own philosophy or my own theory. You know, we come together based on a commonality of the program of recovery that's uh, outlined in this, in these, on these pages. So outline that program of action. You know, trust God, clean house, help others is essentially what's being stated here. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you're helping him. Um, Well, certainly, as Dana just mentioned, I mean, uh, that's what our history teaches us. You know, when when Bill Wilson went over to to meet with Dr. Bob, who happened to be plastered under the table, uh, when he went to see Dr. Bob, he went to see Dr. Bob not to sober up Dr. Bob, although indeed that's what happened. He went to Dr. Bob to keep himself, to keep Bill Wilson from drinking. It was an act of self-preservation. It was an act of self-preservation, of immunity. And if it worked for Bill Wilson in those days and for the rest of Bill Wilson's life, then surely it will work for me today and us today. So make it plain he's under no obligation to you that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. I am not looking for my stability, my emotional stability or my spiritual stability uh, to come from trying, you know, anything that this spon- potential sponsee is going to give me. My stability comes from trying to give. My stability comes in the communication, not demanding that I receive anything from that, from that prospect. It says here, if your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you have perhaps made a friend. This is not about gaining any quota or putting any notches in one's belt. This is about a relationship. This is about holding out one's hand to someone who is suffering in the quicksand and saying, you don't have to live that way anymore. You know, I used to live that way, and I no longer live that way anymore. I no longer find it necessary to seek the ease and comfort by that first bite, and I haven't felt that need for over 25 years. It says, maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. Isn't that wonderful? You know, (laughs) maybe you've heard it before. There's nothing worse than a head full of OA and a belly full of food. Because as this person continues to binge, if they choose to do so, you know, there will be that disturbance. They will be haunted by the recovered voices on this meeting. Perhaps they'll be haunted by the results that are 
penned in these pages. And perhaps one day, when the disease has beaten them into a state of reasonableness, they will come crawling in, tombstones in their eyes, ready to recover. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Is there, was there someone else that wanted to share? I thought I heard someone. I might have missed you. All right. Well, we'll close the meeting today at, at uh, this, this point and pick it up here tomorrow. And I would like to ask uh, Katie to please read a vision for you on page 164. Are you there, Katie? This is Katie, a compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katie.